Welcome to the world of Aeora, a news and lore podcast about the Pillars of Eternity games, as well as Obsidian Entertainment's upcoming release, Avowed. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the world of Aeora. I'm your host, Eric, aka Gingerino. Thanks everybody for joining me as we discuss more about the world of Aeora as it is seen in Pillars of Eternity and Avowed. For those wondering why we pair all those games together, if you're new to the show, it's because they share the same fantasy setting known as Aeora. So we're going to be jumping into Pillars of Eternity quite often just so we can make some speculation and theory about Avowed and understand what that game's world is going to be like as it undergoes development, walk in there with the same knowledge base. Today's episode, however, is not going to feature a lot of exacting knowledge and fact-finding in the lore. It is all going to be about speculation regarding Avowed. For those who might not be in the know, Avowed recently had a gameplay trailer show up on the Xbox Games Showcase, as well as the Xbox Games Extended Showcase. As well, there was some PCGamer.com interviews with Obsidian developers, and so there was a lot of Avowed-related news that came out recently, and the episode previous this one dealt with it. In today's episode, we're going to be sticking with the Avowed content since it's still fresh, and we're going to be diving into some of the best speculation and theories that I have seen so far within the community. I sent some feelers out on Reddit, in the Discord, on Twitter, and uh, just through people that I know in person to ask, what are your speculation and theories about Avowed? What kind of things are we going to see in the story? What kind of things do you think are going to happen with our character and the companions? What about the gameplay systems themselves, character creation, the physics engines, and how it might do things, or perhaps how leveling might work? Any theories that any of you guys had at all, and I've collected a bunch of them to respond to here on today's episode, as well as my own thoughts on what we might see in Avowed. Now, if you're listening to this episode and you didn't get a chance to submit any of your ideas to have on the show, uh, don't worry, you can still send me an email, you can still find me on Twitter. So my email is worldofaora at gmail.com, you can find me on Twitter at worldofaora. I'm also under the name Gingerino or Gingerino42 on a lot of social media platforms. So if you have any thoughts or ideas that pop in, even while listening to this episode, uh, send me an email. I'll still share that kind of stuff as well. I might not do a full speculation episode like uh, I am right now, but I'll include a lot of that stuff at the end of an episode normally if I have anything that people want me to say. So don't worry, you'll still have your chance. That said, I do have a number of responses to give you guys today uh, regarding different areas of the game, such as how leveling might work, how character creation might work, characters that we might see in Avowed that come from other Pillars of Eternity games, as well as the story of what Avowed might be like. Uh, we're going to dive in right away, and so let's just dive straight into it. I'm curious. What exactly did you find there? So the first area of speculation that I'd like to jump into has to do with gameplay mechanics or the game systems themselves. Particularly, I want to think about how character creation is going to work and how leveling up or the ability trees are going to work. I have a few ideas on how Obsidian might approach some of those. Now, in character creation, I, I, I've, I've wanted to focus on this because I felt that character creation is one of the more important aspects of Obsidian games or RPGs in general, which is obvious because that's the very first point in which you're creating the character that you're going to roleplay as. And so it's important to have a character creation tool that helps set the foundation and mood for how the roleplay is going to work in the rest of the game. Avowed being a first-person RPG compared to Pillars of Eternity, which is going to be more of an isometric, 
CRPG with a lot more party-based mechanics, there's going to be wildly different character creation tools. I don't think we should expect that Obsidian is going to have a character creation tool in Avowed that matches Pillars of Eternity or another contemporary Obsidian game, The Outer Worlds. But I am going to pull inspiration from those two character creation tools to kind of walk through these theories and speculations I have on how it might work. So there are some things that we have learned from Carrie Patel, both from interviews on PCGamer.com, as well as at the Xbox Games Extended Showcase where she was interviewed directly. Some of the things that we learn are that while we aren't going to be able to choose things like class or racial options outside of human or elf, we are going to be able to bring personality, appearance, philosophy, and vibe. So we don't actually get a lot of information about what is going to be included in the character creation tool, but we do have some ideas on things that won't be included, and that can kind of give us some implications on what we're going to see. So first off, I think it's pretty obvious that there's going to be some level of customization to our character's appearance. I don't see any reason why this wouldn't exist. Obsidian have included this in their character creation tools in pretty much all of their games where you can choose different hairstyles and you can choose different skin tones and you can shape the face a little bit or at least choose between uh, a set of prefabricated faces, if, which is a weird word to say when it comes to faces. But, you know, so I, I feel like there's going to be something along the lines of appearance. Now, technically speaking, I don't actually know. Like, they, there might only be pre-generated characters. There might be no appearance that we're allowed to alter in the character creation. It might just be armor and clothing that change the way we look. But I don't think that that would be reasonable to expect. I feel like Obsidian's going to be able allow us to change our appearance, especially since Carrie Patel brought it up in the interview. Aside from that, I think male and female presenting bodies with different gender identities possibly, as well as a different vocal tone. We might not have fully voiced characters, but I am expecting at least the grunts and winces and attacking screams of our character to be in there. And aside from that, the only other one that we're really aware of is the elf versus human. So elf, human, and then our gender our sex, and then some form of appearance. I think those are all very reasonable to expect to see in there. The other areas of character creation that we can see from Pillars of Eternity or Outer Worlds, I don't necessarily know which ones are going to be there. So in Pillars of Eternity, you're able to actually select your class, but we know for a fact that you're not going to be able to pick a class in Avowed, so you're not going to be a fighter or a paladin or a wizard. You're going to start off with uh, several ability trees open to you, and then you're going to build your abilities as you level up. What this means for the character creation tool, we don't know. There's a lot of ways that Obsidian can go about doing this. They could go the tried and true method that a lot of character creation tools go, or they could be trying something new, and we have no way of knowing. Personally, I think that Obsidian is more likely to offer us several character archetypes that will give us a set of pre-selected abilities that we get right from the beginning of the game. They won't be very deep into any of the ability trees, I speculate, because that way, if you don't like the character archetype you chose, you don't have, you don't feel the need to have to restart the game. You might just write off the couple abilities that you don't think you're going to use, and then expend your points elsewhere as you level up. So an example of what I'm talking about is they might offer us the option to choose a mage, a thief, or a warrior type, just to take the three basic ones. And depending on what character archetype you choose, will give you a pre-selected set of abilities from the different ability trees that exist in the game and you just be granted some of them at the start of the game to me that makes the most sense it's the easiest thing to figure out you're still not choosing a class you're just kind of choosing an archetype that you might build your character towards it's just giving you a little head start towards the character that you might want to build 
There is another method that I think Obsidian could take with this is that they could essentially level up your character one or two times at the start of the game. Not actually level up, but they could give you experience points like you would when you level up to spend on abilities and you can choose the abilities that you want to start with at the very beginning of the game. I feel like Obsidian's less likely to go this route because I'm getting the feeling that Avowed is a more curated and guided experience than something like Pillars of Eternity, which left a lot of options open. But that's because Pillars of Eternity uh, required a lot of that kind of game, reminiscent of the Baldur's Gate style games, really left a lot of options, options open to the player for you to build your character. But I'm getting the sense that Avowed is a lot more of a guided and curated experience. Since our character is coming from a certain place with a certain background, and has certain abilities, there's a lot that's already written about our character. And I think that they want you to focus more on the gameplay itself and the story, not so much on uh, this massive roleplay. Not that I'm saying Obsidian isn't going to include that, and not that they're still not going to include levels of roleplay. I mean, Carrie Patel did say personality, appearance, philosophy, and vibe are important to what we bring to the game. And that's arguably the biggest part of a roleplay. There is one other way they could let us choose our abilities in the character creation tool, but I'll save that for later in this little speculation spot. In the Pillars of Eternity character creation tool, we are able to choose our background and our culture, um, but those have largely been written for us already. The culture is Adirin. We are coming from the Adir Empire, so that part is already given. And as far as background goes, we know that we are an Imperial envoy of Adir. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a background we could select, such as a merchant or a blacksmith or a philosopher. There could be something of that nature in Avowed's character creation tool. I am getting the feeling that there isn't going to be, because it seems like a lot of our character's history and backstory is already written, at least based off what we have so far. It seems like they have an idea of who our character is going to be in terms of their history that they're bringing into this game. So I don't think that option's going to be there, but there's so much of the game we haven't seen yet. So this is all just speculation. Uh, I'm going to uh, trust you guys to manage your own expectations on this, just like I'm trying to manage mine. The area that I'm stumped on is the area of skills and attributes, because there seems to be, as Carrie indicated, uh, an emphasis on the abilities when you level up and not on leveling up your attributes. So attributes are things like strength, dexterity, uh, resolve, perception, intellect, constitution, things like that. But since we're not leveling up those statistics, I wonder what role they may or may not play in Avowed. In the Outer Worlds, you did pick these statistics at the very beginning, but you never changed them afterwards. They, you were just stuck with them. But what they did was they gave you little boosts in certain areas related to skills that kind of, again, gave your character a head start in that direction. And perhaps Avowed will take the same course of action. Perhaps you will choose a set of skills, such as the ones I just listed, and depending on which skills you rank as higher or lower will give you a set of options for abilities that you can choose from, right? So if you select a character and you give them a very strong might ability, then maybe it'll give you six options instead of a base four options for abilities that you can choose when you start your character. This is another way that they might handle the way you select abilities at the beginning of the game, assuming Avowed is giving us that option. Now the next speculation that I want to move on before I jump into responses from you, the listeners, is the ability trees themselves. And I'm going to stop it after this theory because I could go on forever about a lot of different ones. The, the way I see ability trees working in Avowed is that they are going to take inspiration from Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire. So in Pillars of Eternity 2, depending on what class you selected, you would also have a corresponding power pool. If you were a wizard, you would have a power pool of Arcana, and you would expend Arcana to perform wizard abilities or empower yourself, something like that. 
If you were a fighter, your power pool would be discipline. If you were a cipher, your power pool would be focus. And every class had a particular power pool, that which gave you the special and unique power that you did. It was the thing that empowered you to do the stuff that you did as that class. And I think what Avowed might do is that they will name the ability trees as the same names that we see in other classes from Pills of Eternity 1 and 2. Now, I don't think that they're going to take all of them because then you would have, what, 11 or 12 ability trees, and that's that's a lot. I think that they might name five or six trees, which is still a lot, uh, but then they'll like mix and match certain ones. So, for example, they might have an ability tree called Discipline, but it will take abilities from fighters and barbarians and maybe a little bit of monk, maybe a little bit of paladin from Pillars of Eternity. As well, there'll be unique abilities specific only to Avowed because, you know, of course, they're building a first-person RPG. You can make different abilities than just those in Pillars of Eternity. I'm expecting there to be more Avowed-specific than Pillar-specific, in my own opinion. So I think that that's how it's going to work. I think they're going to have five or six ability categories, and in each of those categories, we're going to see some Pillars of Eternity abilities pulled from certain classes in that game, as well as Avowed specific ones. The ability trees that I think are going to be in there are Guile, Nature, Faith, Focus, Arcana, and Discipline. And the reason I choose those six is because I think they represent the widest array of abilities that you can have in Aora or that you would see. Uh, so something along the lines of Guile, that would be more uh, your roguish type stuff or a little bit of ranger type stuff. So that might have things to do with uh, ranged weapons like bows and arrows, as well as stealth and sneaking around, sleight of hand and pickpocketing, possibly some charisma skills. With nature, I'm thinking a lot more druidic spells, but also interacting with animals in the world, as well as vegetation, perhaps anything that has to do with survival in the world as well. Arcana is just straight up and down magic. I'm more thinking like the hard magics, like evocative type stuff where it's, um, or evo evocation type stuff, I apologize. Uh, so a lot of destructive magic, um, casting fireballs and things like that. I think it's, that's going to be a lot of the wizard stuff is going to be seen in there. Faith, I think, might be magic as well, but more related to healing type magic or buffs or debuffs type of magic rather than actually damaging people directly. Uh, this would be something you'd see in paladins and priest and some wizard spells. Discipline, I think, will be the catch-all for martial prowess. So that would be fighters, paladins, barbarians, possibly something from monks as well. So this is where you're going to get a lot of those martial abilities. Focus is cipher-based magic. Uh, I think that's going to be included in Avowed because the cipher is very tied to the lore, in Pillars of Eternity anyways, and there's a decent chance that it's going to be involved in Avowed. Again, like, I don't want to set expectations uh, unrealistically. I just I, I feel like that would be one of the more obvious ones to pick, is the focus-based stuff, because that include things like mind reading and psychic ability attacks. So that's how I see the ability trees going, is that they're going to pull from those, and that in each category of abilities there will be a set number of abilities that you can unlock the obvious way that you would unlock abilities would be by playing the game leveling up your character with experience and then when you level up your character you get like one or two points to pick abilities or upgrade current abilities but what i would like to see them do actually and this is just my personal opinion i know some will disagree with me what i would like to see them do is where as you level up certain uh, we'll call it we'll say skills as you level up skills you automatically unlock corresponding abilities. And this jumps into the skills section of gameplay. 
So when I say things like skills in Avowed, I'm talking about things like persuasion checks. So I'm going to pull a lot from the Outer Worlds here. But like in the Outer Worlds, you had leadership skills and you had determination. You had uh, different dexterity skills. You had handguns, long guns, heavy weapons. You had block. You had dodge. Uh, you had lie, intimidate, persuade, engineering. All these different skills that you actively used in the world. And I think it would be odd to see an Obsidian RPG without those included. I, I can't imagine running through the game and not having a speech 100 check at some point in Avowed. But maybe Obsidian are wanting to take a new w approach at this kind of thing. That's been a tried and true method for a long time, but who knows, maybe there's a better way of doing it. Maybe they'll tie speech checks directly to certain abilities unlock. Maybe they'll tie it directly to um, ability trees that have a certain amount of abilities unlocked. So instead of patching a speech 100 check, maybe you'll pass a nature category ability tree check as long as you have, say, 50% or more abilities. They, they might approach it that way. Who knows? But what I would like to see is that I would like to see when you level up your character, you increase your skills, right? So you increase, let's say, your persuasion from 20 to 30. And then if there are any abilities within the ability trees that have these requirements, you automatically get them. So let's say, for example, that you want to not only intimidate a humanoid, but you actually want to convince it to fight alongside you for a duration. Then you must have, let's say, a persuasion of 40 and an athletics of 10, right? And as soon as you have those corresponding numbers to those skills, you just automatically get that ability. You don't have to unlock it. You just get it as a result of having those skills leveled up. The reason I like this is because it allows you to focus just on the skills that you want to have. It allows you to focus on building your character up the way you think they are as a person. And then it also unlocks corresponding abilities that you find interesting. It's a little more simple of a level up tool. You don't have to focus on too many things. You just have to focus on leveling up your skills or focusing on the skills you want to level up to get certain abilities. I think this is one way that they could approach doing it. I have a feeling they won't go this way uh, and so I'm just gonna kind of hope that that's what happens but we'll see what they do uh, obsidian tend to be a little more focused on characters and, and narrative and that depth of story than anything else so they might just go with the tried and true method of here's a bunch of skills you level them up you pass speech level 100 checks and you expend experience points to buy certain abilities that's the safe bet and it, honestly it works well like I, every game that has that I've loved now, before I take too long on this, I'm going to jump over to some of the listener responses for what you guys think might happen with the mechanics of the game. If copper wire and glass tubes were enough. Still, if the day ever comes that an animancer should rival Consulhot's middling competence, I expect we will pay them a visit. Pulling from Reddit, we see some responses. I have one from Ortis that thinks that we will have active and passive abilities every time we rank up. Uh, so active abilities might be things that we use. Uh, it would, they'd be things that we use actively, obviously. So you you would make you would choose to use these skills in certain situations. And the passive abilities are just things that are happening in the background. I didn't mention passive abilities in my speculation. Mortis makes a good point. Like Obsidian has included a lot of this before in their RPGs, and so it's not unreasonable to think that they might include that in Avowed. Although I don't recall seeing a lot of that stuff occurring in the Outer Worlds per se. Avowed, obviously, is not the Outer Worlds, but it's also not Pills of Eternity, so I'm not sure if I agree or disagree here. I don't know how to say this one. It's U5HAE, Yushe, uh, maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, they really like the upgrade system from Pills of Eternity, where you could customize the effects and level of unique items. Someone who commented on it, the dog days with underscores between, 
Love that you could carry the same weapon by and then upgrade it over time so that way you could do something like, let's say, roleplay your first weapon you get in the game as a family heirloom. And they make a good point. It would be kind of nice to just have the starting equipment you have in the game and instead of having to constantly switch it out for stuff, you just upgrading it as you go. That's just that's just your weapon. You've had it forever, you've loved it forever, and you're never going to let it go. I, I do like that idea. And I like the upgrade idea for unique items. Sweet Kael, I, I don't know if I pronounced your name out right, uh, K-I-E-L at the end there, uh, says that they mentioned how our companions would be very integral to gameplay. So what if one of them was a watcher? Uh, we would be able to react to them staring off into space or arguing with seemingly no one. While I don't think that Obsidian is going to make one of our companions be a watcher, I do love that idea. I love the idea of one of our companions being actually stronger than us, the main player character. That that would that to me is hilarious and also would make for a, an interesting narrative and power dynamic. I'm all for it. I don't think they'll do it, but I'm all for it. The, the reason I don't think they'll do it is because I think it takes away from that like that hero story where you're the powerful and wonderful character who can do all this cool stuff. I received an email from Steven. Uh, who outlined uh, a lot of stuff regarding gameplay. He thinks that the core gameplay loop will land in the middle of Skyrim and Immortals of Avum. Uh, he doesn't think that racial choice is going to substantially alter combat gameplay, so choosing between human and elf will largely just be cosmetic. Uh, maybe some dialogue options, obviously. like It'll change our interactions with people. That makes a lot of sense, but not for combat. And I, I would have to say I agree with that. He does say, though, the primary primary conflict resolution will be combat. I don't know if I agree with that. I think one of the things about Obsidian that makes them good is that they also offer non-combative options for a lot of stuff. Obviously, when it comes to things like bestial creatures, we're not going to have a lot of options to talk them down. But I think when it comes to overarching quest lines, we're going to have a multiplicity of options and not all of it will be combat. But again, this is a new game. Avowed is not Pillars of Eternity. It's not The Outer Worlds. It's not going to be other ones. So maybe they are going to be focusing a lot more on combat. Maybe that is a lot of what Avowed is, is your skills in your game and how well you execute those skills in combat. It could be that. He does think that narrative and world building will take a backseat. I will have to say I do strongly disagree with that. Uh, just because we haven't seen a story trailer yet doesn't mean that that isn't going to be important. Um, simply just because it is obsidian, like what they are masters of their craft as well. We, we saw an interview on PCGamer.com where they discussed the idea that they actually scaled down the game from an obsidian Skyrim type-ish game to something that they are better with, which is a little more close to the outer worlds with hub maps and things like that, which means that they're trying to focus on their strengths. And I would say obsidian has a strong strength in the area of narrative and world building. So it doesn't make sense for Obsidian to push the open world design to less open world because that's their strong suit, but then not follow their strong suit when it comes to the narrative, which is what they're known for. So I, I don't think that one necessarily holds a lot of water, but um, I will say this. We haven't seen evidence to the otherwise yet, so I won't say he's wrong. I'd just say I disagree, but uh, he, he has good reasons for why he says what he says. He also says, no player housing or building of castles. I have to agree there. That doesn't seem like something that Obsidian really cares to do in games like this. I mean, obviously in Grounded, that was one of the main focuses, but that was that was basically the game. That was one of the things about that game. So while they certainly have proven that they can do good in that area, I don't think it's going to be a focus in Avowed, just simply because I don't think that is part of the core gameplay experience that Avowed is meant to offer. But who knows? We could, uh, we could find out. If we could find out otherwise, maybe we'll be able to build ourselves a little cabin in the living lands. His memories, his awareness, those died with him. But his power remains, 
As a watcher, you must have seen by now that certain spirits possess more strength than others. And that's all I currently have at this time in recording regarding gameplay and game systems. We've already got basically an entire episode's worth of stuff right here, so I'm, I'm not going to waste too much more time and jump straight into the story and lore. But I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who has submitted stuff on Reddit, through Discord, and through email or in person. I really appreciate the feedback. Uh, and it, it's been fun sifting through these ideas and having conversations with you guys about how the game might look and how the story might look. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump at, into that section of the game and the speculation theories that you guys have on here. Now, I'm going to have to do my very best to keep this brief because uh, this is the area that I have the most personal interest in. And I know for a few of you out there that this is also your area of focus as well. Although a lot of you did really focus a lot more on the gameplay aspects and the game mechanics and systems, which I, I appreciate because you guys gave me things to think about that I had never even considered. But before we jump into listener feedback, I'll quickly give you some of my speculation into how the story or characters in the world might go. Now, the main things I'm wanting to focus on is what our main player character brings to the story, what is going on in the Living Lands, and then these two returning Deadfire characters. Those have been the main areas that I've been thinking a lot about. So in regards to our player character, the only thing we know is that we are an Imperial Envoy from a deer, and that we're coming to the Living Lands in response to some sort of soul plague that is infecting the very souls and bodies of the people and creatures there. We know that we're not a Watcher, but that we have some unique abilities or unique connection to the Living Land themselves, and Kai even mentions in the narration for the gameplay trailer that he's afraid of us and the things that we can do. And so there is something special and unique about our character that sets us apart from everyone else, but we're not a watcher. For those wondering what a watcher is, I do an episode on watchers that you can go check out that explains this very interesting and unique kind of individual that can occur in the world of Aeora. But to put it short, a watcher is a person who can interact with the souls of people in a much more deep and meaningful and impactful way. Uh, they are very powerful when it comes to areas of the soul, uh, reading past lives and interacting with people's psyches. Uh, I'm not going to get into it too much, uh, but if you're interested, check out the episode. In Pillars of Eternity, our character was a Watcher, but in Avowed, we're not going to be. So the question is, is, what is our character's connection to the Living Lands, and what makes us special? My theory goes as this. In the distant past of the Living Lands, uh, there was the Soul Plague already existed. Either there was a civilization or a group of people that were there that created the Soul Plague, or it was a natural result of, of it was just some sort of natural phenomenon. In an effort to contain it, people sealed it away. Now, since the events of Pillars of Eternity 1 and Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire, depending on when Avowed takes place in regards to that, uh, the Soul Plague has escaped. Either because of the events of one of those Pillars games, or perhaps whatever was holding back this Soul Plague just simply faded away and now it is released upon the world. And that's what we're seeing in the Living Lands, and that's why it's localized to only that area versus anywhere else. So that's my theory for where the Soul Plague comes from. It's, it's some sort of phenomenon that was either created or naturally occurred far in the Living Lands' distant past, and it was a significant enough threat that people needed to quarantine it, but that quarantine has now failed at this point in the game. What I think our character brings to the table is that our soul has a past life within the Living Lands, particularly of those individuals who lived in the Living Lands that helped quarantine it. For those not aware, 
The world of Aeora runs on a cycle of reincarnation, and so when you die, your soul leaves your body, goes in the afterlife, and then eventually comes back to the mundane world and enters into a new body. That's how reincarnation works in this world. And so it's not out of the question that your player character would have a past life that was where that past life lived in the Living Lands, and maybe they were one of those people that helped quarantine the soul plague. And so that would explain why our character has the unique ability to maybe fix the problem of the soul plague. Perhaps we go from area to area, and when we are near certain objects or we see certain items, maybe it awakens a memory from our soul's past life, and it gives us insight on how to stop the soul plague. And we follow these breadcrumbs to a point where we understand how to stop the soul plague in some way, shape, or form. As well, since there can be soul-based devices and, and technology that exist, perhaps because our main player character's soul belonged to that of someone in the distant past who, let's say, they had technology where only certain individuals could access it, you know, so maybe like royalty from a previous civilization. But now that you have this soul in the distant future, maybe you are uniquely able to interact with ancient technology in the Living Lands that everyone else thought was just dead technology. They have this like tablet or they have this device that seems inert and lifeless. But then when your soul comes near it, that device somehow detects its master, if you will, from a because it would have existed that same soul exists in you now that would have existed in its master in the past and now this previously inert device has activated and so you are uniquely able to actually use these ancient devices and civilizations technology to combat the soul plague that is existing around here that is my guess on how our character brings a unique power into this world so that, that's the big ticket item. So if anyone has any holes that they want to poke in my theory, please go ahead, worldofair at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that theory. I, I think it holds a lot of water. I think a lot of it's pretty plausible, uh, but there's obviously still some areas to fill in there. But now I want to transition to the other area that I've been focusing on, which is the two returning characters from the Deadfire games. We know from an interview with Carrie Patel that there are two returning characters from Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire that are in Avowed, and people have been speculating who could it possibly be. Now a lot of you have said Adair or Aloth or Palagina from the first two Pillars of Eternity games, and I can understand your reasons for thinking that. They have occurred in both Pillars games, they're a staple of the com uh, companions from Pillars and Aeorn based games, uh, they're the most familiar, kind of like poster childs if you will, for the world of Aeora. Uh, while I think that the logic is sound, I don't think that those three in particular are going to show up in Avowed, simply because Carrie specifically mentioned Deadfire. She didn't just say Pillars of Eternity in general, she specifically mentioned returning characters from the Deadfire. So I think we're either going to see companions or an NPC from the Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire game in Avowed. My personal guess for who we are going to see in Pills of Eternity 2 Deadfire, I have a lot of theories, a lot of ideas on who it could be, but for the sake of, of trying to formulate a guess and just go for broke, let's see if I'm right, I have two ideas. One, in terms of companions, I think Takehu makes a lot of sense because of his level of status within the Huwana culture. It makes sense, especially since we see the Huwana flag in the gameplay trailer, that he might have been sent as an envoy of the Huwana to go and investigate what's happening in the Living Lands. And so we might see Takehu there. That would make sense. But this does depend 
when in the timeline of out is taking place if it is taking place after the events of pillars of eternity 2 dead fire then that makes sense but if it's taking concurrently or beforehand it makes a lot less sense uh, but i'm still i'm going to go for broke and i'm going to say to Kehu. the other person that i think we're going to see is not a companion but an npc in the game i think what we're going to see is one of the arch magi of the world and that makes sense because the circle of arch magi the members of that wizard circle they tend to be in world-shattering events. They tend to be on the globe somewhere when something big is going on. And so I expect we're going to see one of the members of the Archmagi there. I'm kind of stuck between Archimere or Lengrith, just because of the backgrounds of them. But I think what we're more likely to see is we're more likely to see Lengrith than anything else. Archimere is tempting to me only because more players are likely to have seen Archimere from the game. But... Langrith was such an instrumental part of the Forgotten Sanctum DLC that uh, I think enough players would have been able to see that, and so Carrie would have made that comment in the interview that she did. There are, of course, other ones as well that we could see Bacarna as well. Perhaps maybe we'll even see Consul Hot. Um, he's been a character throughout the Pillars of Eternity series. He's been an enemy for us to fight, but the only reason I don't say Consul Hot is because he was in the first game as well as the second, and Carrie specifically mentioned the second game. So those are my running theories on things related to Avowed. I do, of course, have other theories, but uh, I want to try to keep this episode under an hour if I can. So I'm going to dive into your guys' responses for lore and story and narrative speculation and theories regarding Avowed. You misunderstand. A wolf devouring a hare has done nothing outside its nature. One life feeds the next. Ours is the work of generations, many minds coming together to strengthen one another. Going into some responses on Discord, I have this message from a friend, Ghost1737. Uh, he thinks that we're going to see more of the Living Lands because of the lore of the areas. Uh, for those not aware, the Living Lands, which is the setting for Avowed, is supposed to have distinct valley biomes separated by cliffs. So there's supposed to be these drastically different environments and biomes that exist within the Living Lands. We didn't really see that showcased in the Avowed gameplay trailer, but the reason I think that we didn't see a lot of that is because they just haven't developed those maps enough yet. We probably just got gameplay footage of the first or second map in the game. That's my best guess as to why we didn't see, you know, a, a, a winter wonderland or a hostile desert wasteland or something like that. You know, there's that's why we probably didn't see those things. That's my best guess. So he thinks we're going to see more of that, that the Living Lands is going to be very varietized in its environments. He's also hopeful that we'll see multiplicity of characters within the world that Avowed is set in. Uh, in particular, he's hoping to see a Pale Elf Sorceress because he has a, uh, a personal life roleplay for that that he's uh, looking forward to. So he thinks that we'll see something like even Pale Elves in the game, which I personally am very hopeful for. The lore behind Pale Elves are very interesting for me. His prediction for why the things are going on in the game is that there is some sort of chaotic event either because of the events of Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire or some god-related power struggle. Um, and for those not aware, there, there are gods in the world of Avowed. There are 11 of them, and I talk about them extensively in other episodes. Uh, but he doesn't think that the gods are going to be as front and center in Avowed as they are in Pillars of Eternity. And I'm not sure if I agree with that or not, but it, it might make sense. Like, Avowed is not Pillars of Eternity, and so maybe they don't want to focus on the gods as much. Perhaps they'll be in the periphery, they'll still be involved, but maybe they won't be as central. Ghost's prediction is that the port city we see in the gameplay trailer will be a hub area, which is why we see a lot of the banners there, and I can agree with that. 
Uh, and this is going to be kind of like a base of operations. I'm kind of summarizing what he's saying here. This will kind of like be a hub and a base for a lot of people that are going out trying to deal with what's going on. And I have to say, I agree with uh, most of what Ghost is saying here. Uh, and I'm excited for the same things that he's excited for. Still on Discord, Jedmandu, who uh, has been on a Vowedcast as a guest host like I have before. Uh, and I miss you, Jed, if I, I haven't seen you very much lately. So I hope you make I can talk soon. He says that he also agrees that we're going to see far more variety of environments uh, because there's no point in setting the living lands if you're not going to have the player explore the regular European forest and spooky mushroom caves. Oh, so if you're only going to have them explore that. And yeah, I agree with him there. The living lands in the lore has so much potential for the biomes and the environments that you can set it in that if you set a game in the living lands and you're only going to have a couple of biomes, you have really wasted the setting. The games it still might be great, mind you. I'm not saying it won't be, but the setting itself has been, in a sense, wasted at that point. So hopefully we're going to see more. And I think that it's pretty sensible to expect that, uh, but we'll see as we learn more about the game. And it also makes sense, and Jed Mendu points this out here, for the way that they're designing the map style. Uh, they pretty much confirmed at this point that it's not open-world RPG like Skyrim. It's more like the Outer Worlds in that you have these segmented maps. You have a zone-based kind of RPG, if you will. And he says that it makes sense here that each valley has its own biome, and so that can each be sequestered into their zone in-universe maps. So basically, when you move from one area to another and you have to load a new map into the game, you're hitting a loading screen, that's when you're moving from one biome, one valley, to another. That, that makes sense. That, that, that uh, is a sensible boundary to put on those maps. Uh, actually, as I'm recording this, I just received a message from Sora, the main host of Avowedcast. So I'm going to read his thoughts right here. Some of them might overlap into gameplay, but uh, you know, I want to talk about what he has to say. So I'll, I'll bring this out right here. He thinks that Obsidian right now, they're, uh, they're working very ha hard. They got their heads to their desks. Uh, the reason he, he thinks that is that it, they, they didn't even do the trailer for the game. They got outside companies to do the trailer for the game. I never did look into that, so I don't know which company did that stuff. But if that is true, that does indicate that the developers at Obsidian, they're focusing on doing the work that they're doing to make the game. And uh, perhaps that that is just the Obsidian way of doing things. At least that, that's what I'm speculating. Uh, he goes on to say that perhaps they're not engaging the community because the community has been toxic. Uh, there has definitely been some toxicity coming out in the community since the release of the gameplay trailer. I don't know at this point whether that's just normal in gaming spheres or not. I'm very recent to the content community game and... Uh, so some of, some of it's drawing towards me, but I know that it has occurred in other uh, gaming communities as well when they release news. He does think the game will be post-Deadfire, so it occurs after the events of Deadfire, which, if you've played that game, is a very interesting speculation to have because there's a lot of lore, there's a lot of big events that happen in that game that you're going to have to either communicate to the player or hide from the player, and both of those are kind of weird to do. He doesn't see Avowed as uh, Pillars 2.0, but as its own franchise, and I think that's a fair assessment, and I think that's a, I think moving forward we should all recognize Avowed is not the next Pillars. It is not a Pillars adjacent. It is a new game set in the same universe. That's all. Uh, I think that's a healthier way to approach it, uh, but that hopefully there will be a lot of Pillars-esque Easter eggs in there. He thinks there will be heavy story elements, but that it will be a little linear in plot, like in The Outer Worlds, and once the story is over, the game will be over. The companions will play a huge role in story. This is already confirmed. We know this from uh, interviews, so I agree with him there. Uh, but he does say he doesn't think the companions will be able to die. He thinks that if the companions die, that you will as well. And at first, I, when I read this, I don't like that because one thing I love about Obsidian games is that you can kill anyone in the game, you know, because I'm a, I'm a murder-hungry hobo. But no, I, I'm more interested in seeing, like, how does the game's narrative react 
to an essential character being killed off at a certain point in the game. I'm always interested to see how a developer might stand for that. But this notion that if you can't keep your companions alive, that the game is over and you have to reload a previous save, that is, that's an interesting uh, way to do it because they do say the companions are integral. So he does have some reason for saying this. Me personally, I don't hope this, and I don't necessarily think that they will, just given the history of how they do things, but Avowed is a new game. Maybe they're taking a new way, and they, they are saying that they're integral, so perhaps companions are the only ones that can't die without reloading the game. He thinks the zones will be about the size of they were in the Outer Worlds, which, again, is consistent as what we saw in the interviews. There'll be a lot of diversity in the environments, and that when you advance from one zone to the next, that you won't be able to go back for side quests. So he thinks that you'll actually be uh, locked out of side quests when you change maps. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, while I can see what he's saying about there being a linear story, I do think we'll be able to go back and forth into the maps and access previous side quests uh, like you do in the Outer Worlds. Like, you can keep your side quests going when you go from one map to the next. Uh, so that's a, that's a very different take, unless I'm just interpreting this sentence incorrectly. Uh, but, I, I mean, they might do that. I, I highly doubt it, in my opinion, just that doesn't seem like a very Obsidian-esque thing to do, but perhaps that's what they'll do. He thinks that the main character will be directly connected to the plague, and that's what your special unique thing is, and that the game is being developed with sequels in mind. Um, this is kind of in line with something that very recently came up in the news, that Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, said that he named Avowed and Pillars of Eternity, that is, Aora-based IPs, as future IPs that will help the success in the future of Xbox. And so uh, Phil, for some reason, mentioned Avowed and Pills of Eternity specifically in that. So perhaps Obsidian are planning on releasing future games in the world of Aora. Maybe Avowed 2 or Pills of Eternity 3 or some other game completely. Maybe they'll release some RTS or a simulation-based game. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so they're the, those are the speculations from Sora, host of the Avowed cast. Going on to Reddit, we have the Dog Days, who, in reference to the timeline, when Avowed's going to take place within the history of this world, he thinks it's going to take place after Pillars of Eternity 1 and probably after Deadfire. Uh, he says this because the trailers that we see are the Huana, the, the White March, and the Watcher of Cad Nua, and so he thinks that's going to take place within five years after the Deadfire game. Uh, in my opinion, um, placing Avowed after Deadfire is a very strong stance to take, because, again, of the events of Deadfire, you would have to choose a canon ending to that game, a canon ending to the first Pillars game, and then you have to decide what lore you're going to give to the new players that have never been here before, uh, possibly not wanting to spoil Pillars 1 or 2 for those new players, because, uh, again, they're thinking of new players. What if they want to play Pillars, right? So I, I think that's a very strong stance to take. A lot of people are taking it, and I don't think that it is a bad option. I think there's actually a lot of sound reasons why it would be after the dead fire and i gotta be honest i myself i do have a, a strong leaning towards it being post dead fire just because of the banners we see i just think that that's such an interesting spot to place it in the timeline given that you want to attract new players but i'm sure you'd want them to play your old pillars games too right i don't know maybe they have no intention on worrying about that maybe the pillars games have run their course and they're not even taking that into consideration uh, however, NSS Sheepster or NS Sheepster on Reddit did comment on the Dog Days post saying, why would you think this takes place after PoE or Deadfire? Uh, this person actually thinks that it's going to occur before Pillars of Eternity. They actually think it's going to take place between the Ingwithin era of the world of Aora, which you learn about from playing Pillars of Eternity 1, and I've talked about it in other episodes, but I don't want to get into any spoilers, so I'm just going to leave that at that. 
and uh, after the Ingwithin civilization disappeared, is how I'm going to paraphrase their statement. So he's actually talking about some like very early post-Ingwithin times within the history of Aora, and that's a very specific time in the history, and it, that's a that's an interesting place to put it. Uh, he thinks this is because that the soul plague that is striking the souls of people in the Living Lands is a direct backlash from the gods, uh, or a direct attack by them, to distract or something along lines in the living lands that is resisting them. Uh, we know that there have been factions in the history of the world of Aora that have fought back against the gods and fought back against the Gwithins. Again, I'm trying to not spoil the game, so I'm, I'm kind of wandering around this delicately. Uh, but he thinks that there is some backlash to those historical events and that maybe there's someone or some ones in the living lands that they're fighting back against. And that's where the soul plague comes from, is it actually comes from the gods themselves as a way to remove these people from the world that oppose them. It's an interesting stance to take. Uh, there's not a lot of evidence that you could have to support that. But at the same time, there's not a lot of evidence that would disregard it either. Because it is true. The gods in the history of the world of Aeora, they have acted back. They have fought back against mundane people. And they have tried to destroy people that oppose them. In fact, there are several instances that we know for sure in the lore where particular gods struck almost entire civilizations in an effort to destroy them. So they were a lot more active in the history of this world than they are by the time Pills of Eternity occurs when they have taken a more decidedly neutral stance, uh, more of like kind of the supervisors and watchers, if you will. Uh, they go. This person goes on to defend their claim by saying that all of the factions you see for the banners in Avowed could theoretically also be there during that time in history. The Huana are actually even though they're more associated with the Deadfire game, they actually have been around for quite a long time. So we could see the Huwana flag there. Same with the White March banner. Even though that's associated more with Pillars of Eternity era times, the dwarves that existed in the White March have existed before the White March. And so that could have been a banner that they've been carrying for a long time. Same with the Cadnua banner. Cadnua uh, is a stronghold that has existed all the way back to Ingwithin times. So all of the banners that we're seeing, he is claiming, or she, I don't actually know, uh, could be way back to almost the Ingwithin era of the history of this world. I will say I do disagree with uh, Sheepster's comment here, uh, just because we do also see the Rawatai and the Valian Trading Company. We do see their banners, and that is a lot more in recent history. Uh, but as Sir Remoran pointed out to me, those could technically just be images as placeholders on the banners. Perhaps they're designing the logos and iconography for other factions, and they're just kind of putting something else there for now. So who knows? But the Rawatai and Valiant Trading Company do go far back into the history of the world. So it, while I don't think it would reach in Gwithin times, I do think that it could be pretty far back. Ovulation Wizard uh, on Reddit, what great name, by the way, <laughs> thinks that we're also going to see Takehu as a companion in Avowed and that there might be another sibling of Maya or Kana. And both of those are companions from Pillars 2 and Pillars 1, respectively. I definitely agree with Takehu. I don't know about the sibling of Maya and Kana uh, just because... I think she, Carrie Patel points out returning characters from Deadfire, and we don't know of the other siblings of Maya Arcana. At least I don't think so. Minute Bumblebee 553 on Reddit says that Takehu makes sense. So we're getting a lot of Takehu uh, just because he was the most revered water shaper of the Huana. Palagina also makes sense, especially if the Valian Trading Company has a presence in the Living Lands. And since Rawatai is there, Kana perhaps, or Maya, uh, companions from Pillars and Pillars 2. So they have a lot of theories as well. They'd also mentioned the Circle of Archmagi, so they're kind of thinking along the same lines as me, but they just had a few more options. They also speculate the gods will have a role in this somehow, but they don't really 
extend on that. I do obviously think the gods will be involved in some way. They're such a huge part of the lore. It would be a waste to not include them, or at least one of them, in some deeper, more meaningful way. And that we're going to meet new factions and people in the game. And that as well, I think, is very, very obvious. I think that we're going to see things like that. Uh, but they do mention that they think the Cad Nua banner is pre-Deadfire, so they don't think that the game is going to take place before the events of the Deadfire game. And I have a couple more theories, and then we're going to wrap up this episode. Thanks, everyone, for holding in there. Uh, still on Reddit, there is one person, thanks to Denial, who uh, posted a very in-depth theory on what is going to go on in Avowed. Uh, he mentions a book in Pillars of Eternity 2, Forgotten Sanctum DLC, that speaks of a great Orland Empire that apparently lived in the living lands. Um, and they existed way in the ancient past of Aora. They were actually alive during the Ingwithan era of the world. And in this book, it is written that they are actually advanced enough to rival that of the Ingwithan Empire. Now, the only thing we know about the Orland Empire is that they were located, quote-unquote, in the northern valleys. So they don't say that they live in the living lands per se, but in the northern valleys could be a reference to the living lands before it was called the living lands. The Ingwithans wouldn't have called it the living lands, so call the Ingwithans saying the northern valleys might indicate that region within the world. And so there would be this great Orland Empire. This lines up with the theory I had that there was an ancient civilization that was trying to quarantine the soul plague. But Denial's speculation here is, is that this former empire located in the Living Lands were erased by the Ingwithans, and that this Orland Empire, in war with the Ingwithans, created this soul plague as a means of fighting back. And I, I actually really like this theory. I think that there is some of this that holds water. Now, I do have a couple things to poke in the holes of it. Uh, one is that the Great Orland Empire that we see in this one obscure book from the Forgotten Sanctum DLC of the Deadfire game is under the ownership of the Hand Occult. And they are notoriously known for editing and editorializing books so that there are more truth added in or less truth put in as well. So they like they obscure information quite often. So we don't know what or if any information from that book may be falsified. There, there's a lot in there that may or may not be true. So, But that, that doesn't mean we should just write off the entire speculation as it is. This is actually a really good idea, and it does explain the narrative of the game, of where the Soul Plague originated from, what its purpose was, and that they essentially just for, didn't have the time to weaponize it before they were destroyed, that is the Orland Empire, and so it just laid dormant for a while. But someone went plundering around and poking runes that they shouldn't have, and they somehow activated it or weaponized it, and it got out into the world. I actually really like this theory, uh, and so I, I'm really, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head that there's, that maybe this is actually what is going on, and it would be really interesting to see. And it lines up with my theory as well, that perhaps one of your past lives, maybe you were someone of royalty or higher standing in this great Orland Empire, and that's why your unique soul might be able to do something with this soul plague. And it would also mean that maybe one of the main antagonists of the game has a soul similar to that. And it might be someone who was also an antagonist to you back in a past life. And so that's actually, it opens up a lot of very interesting ideas. And so you know, thanks to Denial, that's the full name. I, I really like that one. Thank you so much. That's going to be living rent-free in my brain for a while. Someone we've already heard from, Ordis, comments again that we're going to see mage folk in the world, which is a very unique type of creature that exists in the world of Aora. They think that the, the corpse we see at 107, so that's one minute, seven seconds into the trailer, that that creature is a mage folk. 
and that has the plague actually has something to do with them. Uh, maybe the plague came from them, because we do know of mage folk living within the living lands. There is lore that confirms that there is actually a city of mage folk there, which is very interesting to me. Uh, I, I don't understand why mage folk would build a city, because they are usually creatures made by the gods for just a specific reason. So why they would engage with culture and society, I don't understand. Unless they were developed by Hylia, who would just love that stuff for the sake of loving that stuff. Who knows, right? Daniel sent me an email about some ideas for the story of Avowed. Uh, he also sent me an email with uh, pictures of Kai to be used in Deadfire. So if anyone out there is thinking of playing Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire as Kai, he actually has created the portraits that you can put into the PC game files for Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire, and that way you can actually have his character drawings in the game. And I really, I really thank him for that. You can find a post on Reddit for it. Uh, I highly suggest going and finding that if you want to do a Kai playthrough for Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire, which I'm hoping to do. I'm just trying to find the time to do it. But if I do, I'm definitely going to use these images. So thank you, Daniel, for that. I, I really do genuinely appreciate it. He thinks the Soul Plague is caused by some sort of animancy experimentation in the wake of the events of Deadfire, or perhaps some involvement from Galloway, which is one of the gods of the world. So the Soul Plague is either created by Galloway or that is the result of an animancy experiment gone wrong. Both of those totally hold water. I'm a little more leaning towards animancy than Galloway. I don't see why Galloway would do this or why he would let it get out of control, but maybe there's something going on, uh, especially in considering the events of Deadfire. Maybe there's a reason he couldn't interfere. Familiar faces from Pillars of Eternity. Uh, he thinks likely it's Aloth or Adair, just because Matt Mercer would be a very good thing to leverage with that obsidian could do obsidian has worked with matt mercer and the entire crew of critical role before uh, in regards to the question why are all these factions in the living land his guess is that the plague is worldwide so the soul plague is not just in the living lands but it's actually worldwide but that the first instances occurred here and so basically this is ground zero and everyone's sending their agents to get to the bottom of what's going on hmm, i've never minded being out in the open air but some of the apprentices found it difficult at first. But a bright young mind that can't survive contact with blood and dirt will fare very poorly in this world. And that is it. That is everything. Oh boy. Um, so this episode I intended to be a lot shorter than it is, and uh, but here we are. I'm already over an hour for recording. Um, there's some of you that sent me emails as well as messages on Reddit and all that. Um, that I, I didn't include every single detail of everything you wrote to me. Um, there is also a couple of people that I may have skipped just because you repeated things that I've already that other people have said. Um, and then there was also just a, a lot of things that came in last second that I didn't have the chance to proofread or summarize. And so there, I did get a lot of responses. Thank you, everybody, for responding. Uh, if I didn't get to you, I apologize for that. Um, hopefully I can do so in, in future episodes. I do genuinely appreciate it. And I, I tried to uh, join as many people as I could together or just mention other people specifically uh, instead of those who contributed multiple theories. But I, I do appreciate the feedback, guys. Thank you so much. This episode would not have happened if it was not for your guys' feedback. So now that we're done with the speculation, uh, let's just close out the episode. I got nothing avowed related to talk about because that's basically all we did talk about. I'm not playing anything new that I haven't mentioned already, so we can just actually go ahead and close the episode out. Thanks, guys, for listening to this long-winded episode. It was really fun to go through all this stuff and theorize things on. There's a couple theories that changed my minds, and there's some that I'm going to be keeping my eye on as the days and months and years go by. Well, not years, but hopefully just months go by as we look forward to Avowed. 
Starting next week, we can return back to our normal format of going through the lore that we see in Pillars of Eternity. Uh, I'm going to try to focus a little bit more on Avowed-related stuff that we know about, uh, specifically ones that I haven't already covered on the show. Uh, But we're going to go back to our regular lore. So thanks, guys, for holding out with me on this. Uh, This has been a really fun couple of weeks. There's been a lot of conversation. There's been a lot of excitement. Uh, There has been, obviously, some disappointment from people. But still, it's cool to see the community engaging and everyone's talking to one another, trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm excited to see what comes next. Thanks, Obsidian, for everything you've been doing. Appreciate the work that you guys are putting into the game and the gameplay trailer, the stuff that we got to see. I'm excited to see what you guys make with Avowed. But anyways, that's it for today's episode. Thanks, everybody. I'm your host, Eric, a.k.a. Gingerino, and I'll see you guys next time.